It's time to heed the call of the wild and seek the higher calling. Higher Calling is the voice of mountain and forest wildlife and is hosted by award-winning wildlife journalist and conservationist Chester Moore. Be ready for an increase in altitude and a relentless pursuit of the creatures that dwell there. Welcome to Higher Calling Wildlife. This is Chester Moore. If you listen to this program for any amount of time, you know I love wild sheep, and that's kind of a core of the things we do is related to mountain wildlife. Now, on the phone, I have Kevin Martin. He is president of the Oregon Foundation for North American Wild Sheep. Uh, it's one of the areas on my radar to go photograph in my quest to photograph all wild sheep in all territories uh, in North America in 10 years. Uh, so welcome to Higher Calling Wildlife, Kevin. Well, thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, we met through Sheep Week, um, the Wild Sheep Foundation's virtual event, and I wandered into the uh, the chat area of your organization, asked some questions, and you were gracious enough to answer. But uh, tell us a little bit about the Oregon Foundation for North American Wild Sheep. Okay. Uh, well, we've been around since uh, 1998, mm-hmm. and and our purpose is uh, you know promote and enhance populations of uh, wild sheep and goats across Oregon and and North America. Yeah, and that's um, a great cause because you and I both know we'll get into that later. There's a lot of uh, different issues impacting those animals, and uh, uh-huh. you know Oregon, we have beautiful Pacific Northwest. I think if you think of sheep and you don't know anything, you sort of think Colorado, Montana maybe Alberta or somewhere, but, you know, Oregon has a really interesting sheep population because you have both Rocky Mountain bighorn and the subspecies of the California bighorn. That's correct, yes. And uh, the Rocky Mount, the Rocky Mountain uh, subspecies is in kind of the northeastern part of the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the, a map of Oregon and you see the highway, 90, or highway uh, the interstate coming through 84, kind of north and east of there is, mostly where the Rocky Mountains are and the rest of the state uh, until you get to the Cascades, which there's not any sheep on the east side, or west side, um, are California. Yeah, it's really neat to have that and to be able to uh, work toward conserving those particular animals. Um, what are some of the, the projects you guys are working in right now? Well, uh, we've uh, we got a lot of different things going on. Uh, we do uh, habitat improvement work, of course, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we do it in a, in a number of different ways. Uh, we generate dollars by uh, banquets and auctions and and uh, all those different things, uh, and then we support uh, uh, the state fish and game agencies, the federal agencies that have sheep uh, through partnership dollars mm-hmm. uh, to do sheep and, and work uh, around the state of Oregon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have what we call our hands-on program. Uh, and typically we do things like uh, in, in Oregon, if you come to Oregon, you'll, you'll notice on the dry side that we have a lot of juniper trees. Well, they normally work here. Uh, they've kind of come in since the uh, fire, mm-hmm. uh, since we started putting out fires. And so they've taken out a lot, taken over a lot of country and they take up a lot of water and compete with a lot of uh, native vegeta- other native vegetation. Junipers are native as well. Uh, so we reduce the numbers of those so that we get a, a higher crop of grasses and forbs and shrubs and things that are, are healthy for those landscapes and healthy for sheep. Uh, we do, uh, we fund prescribed fire projects uh, to, again, mm-hmm. increase and improve the habitat, vegetative habitat. Uh, we 
do we work with the agencies and uh, both state and federal, both the Bureau of Land Management and the United States Forest Service to do uh, water development. So we do guzzlers and ponds and potholes and those sorts of things uh, in a lot of sheep country. Uh, anybody that spends much time in it knows water is a limiting factor. And anytime you can have good sure. fresh water, that's, that's healthy for sheep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are kind of some of the hands-on projects that we do. And then, of course, we work with uh, uh, help fund and, 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 and assist as volunteers, uh, our, our, our members, uh, in any trapping and transplanting or disease work uh, that the, uh, the state of Oregon, and we work really closely with, with the folks over in Idaho and Washington as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, we, we support them with, with financially and we support them with uh, labor. You know, and that's a big thing because uh, sheep typically don't pay for themselves in fishing game departments because of the lack of, you know, it's not like whitetail in Texas or mule deer or blacktail out in your part of the world. Um, so mm-hmm. you've got to have these tags auctioned off and raffled off and things to help pay for that. And, of course, manpower, very, very important for something like a translocation or a habitat. Let's circle back to the habitat mm-hmm. thing because you mentioned fire. And, of course, uh, mm-hmm. natural fires are important for wild sheep, wild turkeys, all kinds of animals. But your part of the world's had some epic fires in recent history. <laughs> uh, how has that impacted, or has it impacted areas with wild sheep? It has, um, because of the of uh, the change in conditions on the landscape. So fire seasons longer, fire seasons hotter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fires burn burn hotter and 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 larger. Uh, one of the things, one of the issues that we deal with out here is is uh, non-native vegetation. Yes. And on a lot of our more deserty landscape, which is where you will find most of our sheep, uh, there's you know cheatgrass and ventanata and some of those kinds of species that that are Mediterranean and normally, uh, and they've mm. taken over a lot of these landscapes out here. And sometimes, and they're very fire adapted. Uh-huh. So sometimes you'll get fire come through, mm-hmm. and it'll uh, burn the vegetation off, and then those species feed in really quick and kind of take over the site, and they're less healthy, less less quality forage for uh, a lot of different wildlife throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, since they're so fire adapted, they burn so often, so our fire, you know, periodicity uh, is is more often now on our landscape. And so what that does is it burns out some of the longer-lasting, longer-growing species, such as our sagebrush and some of our shrub species, which are also important. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they get burnt year after year after year. They they take a long time to come back, and you start to see those missing on the landscape. Well, you know, it's uh, it's such an important thing to look at habitat. I think sometimes maybe the general public and – looks at a piece well it's got woods there's grasses there's weeds but um habitat is not all equal i mean you can have something that's in an area and it's got a few things that are kind of the normal like in east texas where i live i work a lot with wild turkeys as well it used to be kind of an open savanna forest and when they came and they did it for timber production they planted trees you know a foot from each other and it's nothing uh-huh. like it was, and there's no more really su- you know, suppressed fires. We suppress fire so much that there's really no more natural fire like there was. And they have to do certain areas control burning for the turkeys. And, of course, that's also a big thing that works for you know, the wild sheep. So it's good to see that. Is it sometimes difficult to get access to burn areas? Is that, is that a controversial thing in Oregon? 
Well, typically, what we do is we supply the dollars. Okay, yeah, <laughs> they, one of the one of the one of the folks that supplies the dollars, mm-hmm. and typically the federal agencies are the ones that do the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Forest Service and the BLM have highly qualified uh, fire programs and and, and experienced uh, folks in fire management and prescribed fire, and and uh, you know it's it's typically on those landscapes as well, anyhow. Uh, and so they do a lot of that. They do most of that work for state agencies have some level as well, but that would be more on private and state lands, mm-hmm. a lot less state lands. And a lot of private landowners don't really want fire on their landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, it typically ends up on the BLM and National Forest. That's the same thing actually land. that happens here in East Texas is almost all the prescribed burns are on the limited National Forest land we do have. And there's some on um, some state lands as well, but it's mainly federal lands. Kind of the same thing over mm-hmm. here. That's really interesting to hear. It's the same kind of kind of situation. You know, Oregon. Um, but the, but uh, the difference is, is we have sixty percent of the landscape or more. In yeah, that, land, that's so. that's crazy to think about because in Texas we have three percent, and almost all of the federal land in Texas is where I live, within an hour and a half of where mm-hmm. I live. Everywhere else is all privately owned, pretty much. So it's a, it's a different world out there. But that that fire thing is just a message I don't think can't get out there enough. You know, this is a an important thing to do. And those natural fires that come that you or or, or maybe prescribed burns are things uh-huh. that can help stop those massive wildfires that are out of control. Oh yeah, having a, having a landscape that's uh, got a diversity of uh, vegetation on it, a diversity of fire scars on it well that's what we call them mm-hmm. or past fires were uh that reduces fuels and so it slows the fire down in some of those other in, in some of those places where it burnt before and those are places you that that helps you manage those those fires out there so and then of course we use roads and trails and all mm-hmm. of those sorts of things as well well salute to you guys on that that's such an important issue not only for sheep but a lot of other wild animals as well um, now, are there, are there still translocations happening in Oregon? I mean, are there ranges where there are no sheep, yep. where you're putting sheep from Oregon to other parts of Oregon? Well, right now, not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're doing, what we the, the latest translocation that we had is we we had some Californians that we trapped and translocated uh, and moved to Utah. Okay, uh, and so they we trapped here because of an abundance in the John Day canyon and uh country and uh and utah was the beneficiary of those we do a lot of that interstate and international with the canadians as well yeah. uh trapping and transplanting uh, we've gotten a lot of trapping and transplanting uh in canada as well i've actually been up to british columbia and alberta and assisted with trapping and bringing uh rocky mountain bighorns down to health canyon cool uh and, and in the health canyon area so yeah it, it is really cool uh to do so yeah it's, it's an important part uh a big chunk of what we're doing now um mm-hmm. is what we call uh trapping and testing and okay. then removal so what we do is uh we've, we've got uh some interesting and it's not we oregon fraud it's it's uh, we're we're just a partner in it, uh, being led by uh, the folks that manage our Hell's Canyon initiative uh, with Oregon and 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 what with Oregon, Washington, and Idaho. Uh, Dr. Frances Casier has been doing some work with WSU and the University of Idaho. She's with the Idaho Fish and Game, mm-hmm. and she's kind of the lead for the Hell's Canyon initiative. And she's been trapping, and we've been working with trapping 
animals, testing them for disease, you know, uh, Moby, and then radio collaring them, getting the results back. And if we're finding heavy carriers of, of disease, uh, we come back in and try to remove those out of the population because they're just spreading more disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, it's, a, it's a pretty fascinating story, and we're seeing uh, really reductions in the amount of moby in some of those populations. So it's it's uh, a really interesting cutting-edge uh, project that's going on, and, and other folks are starting to look at that and, 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 and replicate it well, as well. And hopefully, it'll you know hopefully in the long term that'll be a way to help us uh, get our herds a little bit more healthy. Well, that sounds great because if people don't know the way it's typically dealt with, if they see domestic sheep mingling with bighorns, a lot of times all those in that area are killed, so they don't go back mm-hmm. into other ones. There was a recent situation like that, I think a year and a half ago in Colorado, different places mm-hmm. because of the danger. So it's nice to hear there may be some other ways to do this, especially since in a lot of the areas. Uh, there are sheep populations, translocations aren't maybe as necessary in some states as they were before. So you can take some of that same technology of trapping and catching them and maybe mm-hmm. treat them and those kind of things. That's that's great news. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's pretty exciting. Uh, and it's pretty exciting to kind of be watching it closely because it's happening, you know, in, in, in our yard a little bit, I guess, to say it, you know, in, in Oregon. Uh, we just... You know, as part of our funding program, our grant, grant aid program this year, we just we uh, Oregon Fanaz, uh helped is helping fund a project in the Lost Dean herd, which is a, a Rocky Mountain bighorn herd in very northeastern Oregon, uh, to do this to do that trap and transplanting, and then we're also working on the, the Lookout Mountain and and the Burnt River herd. Um, a little farther south along the Hell's Canyon area uh, to do a similar thing. And then Wild Sheep Foundation is funding, uh, assisting in the funding, the National Wild Sheep Foundation, as well as the Idaho and Oregon or Washington chapters. Uh, And there's some, another project that they're going to be trying up in the Yakima Canyon uh, in central Washington. It's pretty exciting to see that, you know, there's some potential there and and we're seeing some good, some good uh, success. And so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, you know, in larger, in more areas. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I'll be keeping up with that and try to do my best to keep up that at highercalling.net, my blog, where you can check out all the Mountain Forest Wildlife stuff. We had a report about a month ago of the Lookout Mountain Herd and the Burnt mm-hmm. River Herd that all that had some, you know, that had the pneumonia issue popping up. Yep. So interesting that they're already targeting those and going to maybe work on this treatment program and removal. Mm-hmm. That is some really good. That's some really good stuff there. Well, that's one of the things you know the you know, Oregon Oz and, and many many of the chapters. Uh, as well as the national organization, uh, you know, we have we have what we call an emergency fund that we hold back uh, financial resources dollars mm-hmm. uh, just so we can deal with emergencies when they come up. If we have disease issues or you know die-offs or those sorts of things, you know, we've got kind of money available that the states can we can get to the states pretty quickly if uh, there's a need, and and so you know that's one of the, that's one of the things that that we do as well. I'll tell you what, you know, uh, having been to Oregon only once, I went fishing in the Dalles for sturgeon, mm-hmm. which was insane. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's funny because I live on the Gulf of Mexico and the biggest fish I ever caught was in a river in Oregon. You know, <laughs> <It was laughs> yeah, yeah, an eight foot long white, white sturgeon. sturgeon. Yeah, yeah they're big fish. 
caught an eight footer. My dad caught a 10 footer that was so big nice. for the photo. We could only get basically his nose out of the water for the photo. <laughs> you know, it was so huge, yeah. but a beautiful area. And just seeing that, you know, there is kind of a dry side of Oregon. And then there's like the more, mm-hmm. the rainforest type side, you know, that we kind of think of mm-hmm. when we think of Oregon, but that dichotomy habitats brings for really interesting situations in you guys' management of this state. So it's great to see that there are local people taking care of their local wildlife there. And another thing about Oregon is the predators. I mean, these these bighorns that live there are dealing with a good mountain lion population, uh-huh. bears, coyotes, and I believe you have wolves that started to come back there as well. Yep. Yes, we do. And, uh, you know, that's another kind of brings up another thing that we do mm-hmm. uh as an as, as an organization mm-hmm. is is we work very closely again with all the different agencies uh and and with our legislatures the governor's office and the congressional delegation here uh to do you know as i don't know for lack of a better term maybe kind of as lobbyists for bighorn sheep sure. in the state sure we need, they need, uh, a, they know, need when, a lobbyist <laughs> yeah yeah we're kind of that voice yeah. And so, you know, when there's a project that goes on in, in you know, on, a, on some federal lands or state lands or, uh, you know, we, that, that could potentially affect, uh, bighorn sheep, we get engaged in that. You know, we're right. We're, we're participating in the analysis process of, uh, of the planning that goes on, whether it's in a, you know, a domestic sheep allotment or whether it's wild horses or whether it's, uh, bighorn herds. Uh, and, and one that comes to mind is, that's going on right now is the United States Fish and Wildlife Service is doing a bighorn sheep management plan for the Heart Mountain National Antelope Refuge. Mm-hmm. And uh, it used to be one of those places where we did a lot of trapping uh, and transplanting from. It was kind of our, a seed stock area mm-hmm. uh, for, for a lot of places. Uh, and the population has crashed. Uh, you know, it used to be... I don't know, 400, and now it's like 60, 70, maybe. Wow. Uh, and, uh, and it's not disease. I gotcha. <laughs> it's actually, it's actually, it's actually those, uh, you know, uh, uh, ODA, Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife has worked with the folks over there at the refuge and did some, some research on, on those populations, and it looks like it's, uh, you know, a predator issue. Well, that's good because like here in Texas with the desert bighorn restoration that really happened and kicked off in earnest so like in the 70s, you know, and, mm-hmm. and and really got going in the 80s, the mountain lion situation was a real barrier, you know, because of the predation. Mm-hmm. And hey, I'm, I'm a wildlife, I love wildlife management. I love mountain lions. I love wolves. All those animals mm-hmm. are great, but you got to manage you stuff. Bet. You have to manage it, yep. you know, and that's really the ticket. And some of that management over there on the mountain lion issue helped to make room for the sheep to come back at least get a chance to get where there could be some predation you know and mm-hmm. uh, and not out of whack so that's good to see you know knowing that oregon has one of the the larger mountain lion populations and um yeah we do it's it's really healthy and, and you know and, and and that's likely what probably prompted the you know the the you know as they their population moved around and, and they got into the sheep and what you know what research tells us is that uh you know mountain lions can learn Mm-hmm. Uh, and they become specialists on different species that they hunt. And, yep. You know, it's likely that there's a population of mountain lions uh, in that Heart Mountain area that know how to and have learned to uh, eat sheep. And, uh, you know, it might be as simple as removing a smaller number of animals mm-hmm. uh, to make a difference. But as, as you pointed out, you know, it's 
the sheep numbers are getting so low, it almost becomes like a predator pit where they can't get out of it. Yeah, exactly. So you got to kind of give them a kind of give them a boost. Yeah, you know, in mountain lions, I, I worked a lot over the years, especially when I was in college, with captive mountain lions with some stuff that I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know how you see like the old Western movie, there's like a guy that like outruns the mountain lion to his horse to get his pistol or (laughs) all that's fake. Um, If one of those cats decides it wants something, you know, and if I were a mountain lion, Mm -hmm. I had a choice between a bighorn ewe and an elk. I'm going to take a shot mm-hmm. at taking the U first. You know what I mean? Because, <laughs> you know, elk can unleash a little bit of, you know, of, uh, of problems on one. So they're smart animals, but it's good to see that that management thing taking place. And really, Oregon, mm-hmm. Oregon is one of these states that has this great diversity of wildlife there, you know, and a subspecies mm-hmm. of elk and black-tailed deer and a lot of oh, things yeah. we don't have in other, in other states. So it's, it's, it's a good shining example of wildlife yeah, management yeah. and um now your organization itself you said it was founded in 1998 so mm-hmm. uh, you know if you go to our website you'll see we've updated our our website uh which i think you've probably been on you know we were down we wanted to make sure we were part of the sheep week this you know we always go to reno mm-hmm. uh and participate participate down there but we thought you know with sheep week coming up like it did this year mm-hmm. the possibility of reaching out to a much broader and you know, but a lot of people can get on the computer in the evening or in the or in the mornings and, you know, kind of visit. visit. And so we saw a lot of visitors come to the booth. And so hopefully that, you know, hopefully we're going to, we'll, we'll see some interest in, uh, from folks uh, in becoming members of Oregon Phenod. Well, we've, we've joined up over here. And um, one of the things I'm trying to, I'm going to be doing this year just through my social media outlets and stuff is for anyone who's interested in wild sheep, to, you know, of course, be a member of Wild Sheep Foundation, but also mm-hmm. pick at least two or three regional sheep organizations to help out as well, yeah. you know. And um, so I'm, I'm, I'm like Texas Big Orange Society, Rocky Mountain Big Orange mm-hmm. Society, you know, Alberta, yeah. Oregon, you know, all these different groups because, you know, it's that local voice that I think is a good thing, local people on the ground and things like that. And you mentioned something earlier that you guys also do some work with mountain goats as well. Yes, yes. Uh, we we kind of uh, uh, you know we we look at mountain goats as part of our mission as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they're important in the state of Oregon. Uh, we've got some wonderful population. Uh, we uh, actually, I believe, well, I know we broke the state record last year. Wow! <laughs> I think twice last year, from what I can understand, talking nice. to the folks in Salem. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have some pretty healthy uh, populations of, of Rocky Mountain goats. Uh, this year at our banquet in May, mm-hmm. we will be auctioning off the Oregon governor's tag for Rocky Mountain Goat. Nice. Uh, and then we also have a raffle going on this year, which is part of our fundraising for Oregon Phenod. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a wonderful hunt in Alaska uh, for uh, Rocky Mountain Goat, Grizzly, Black Bear, and Wolf. Uh, it's a 10-day hunt uh, with Ultimate Flea. Uh, the outfitter, uh, they they uh, donated uh, and worked with us to uh, make this available. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's on our website. If anybody's interested, it's, we're going to sell, I think, 600 tickets and at the most. Uh, we're going to pull it in May, and we're going to, and it's $50 a ticket. Wow. Which is a really good deal to go to Alaska on a, no. <laughs> on a hunt. Not a bad gig, with, and with, you can with, get... With an amazing outfitter. Oh, wow, and it's <laughs> OregonFNAWS.org, Oregon Phenoms, yes. FNAWS.org, mm-hmm. 
And uh, I'm the I'm the income level guy that has to draw or do the raffle thing for sheep. Mm -hmm. So I'm always excited to hear these raffles. I'm like, okay, fifty bucks for this, twenty five dollars yeah. for this, and uh, and it's a it's a, and the raffles are a better deal in most of the state tag situations, you know, because of oh, the, yeah. the numbers and and it contributes even more to the conservation. So that's a great deal. You get a bunch of stuff in one place and go to Alaska and. All that, oh, yeah. all that fun, beautiful stuff. And well, I'll yeah, tell you last, what. It, last it, year we did a desert hunt. Oh, really? And yeah, and uh, you know, you, it's interesting. We, you know, you do these raffles, and somebody will come in and buy a bunch of tickets, and somebody will come in and buy one. And last year, the individual was a uh, in, a, a guy from uh, that one was he bought one ticket, and he was from Nevada. Hmm. Uh, and you know, I got to make the call to tell him that he was a successful nice. winner and it was pretty fun. So I, we're looking forward to, uh, getting the stories back from him when he gets back from, it was in a Mexico, it was in Mexico, uh, -huh. uh and it was uh, a desert Hunt, that, that, pretty rare and pretty unique yeah that's awesome so this year the main thing to remember when you call is call 409 <laughs> <laughs> and the winner's chester moore i'm just kidding jedi mind tricks don't work over the phone i guess i don't know what's going on but what an exciting thing to be able to guide you know the call and, and break that wonderful news to someone like that you know mm -hmm. the, the, the hunt of a lifetime is their opportunity yep. and that's that's the thing and it's you know not a, not only just hunting these animals but just seeing them in the natural habitat photographing is an event of a lifetime you know such a neat thing mm -hmm. and um, we'd love to have you back on the podcast sometime just want to get on let the world know about your organization and all the great work you're doing there in oregon well, we appreciate it thank you all right thank you sir we'll have you back on soon you've been listening to the higher calling hosted by the wildlife journalist chester moore contact him at chester at chestermore.com Follow him at the Chester Moore on Instagram and his blog at HigherCalling.net.